now here we go. Hello and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. I'm your host, Kurt Schiller, and tonight we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart, drugs. And in particular, the Reagan-Bush-era anti-drug PSA cartoons, as exemplified by the 1990 primetime, yes, primetime TV special, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, uh, which featured a bevy of popular cartoon characters at the time, uh, preaching a a, a pretty typical Reagan-era anti-drug message. And uh, we're joined tonight by, man, I have to say a very special guest, uh, Brett Payne of uh, the podcast Street Fight. And I'm... I was so excited when I first uh, found Street Fight. I have to say the the fact that you guys were were both parents because we, we were talking before the show started that like there's so few um, media products or, or like there's so few like parent oriented things that are in any way radical or like even particularly progressive. I feel like. Um. Yeah. There. It's a really. It's a big challenge. Um. My wife. Uh. Was trying to find podcasts to listen to about parenting, and she was bothered by how religious a lot of them were, and and mm-hmm. that's just something that turns her off. Um. And then you also. Uh. You know. You get into these weird people that don't believe in science anymore, and they don't want to vaccinate their kids, and there's a lot of weird. There's a <laughs> lot of weird understandings. Uh. Weird understandings of parenting. And um, I think more than anything, people tend to go into like the groove of how they were raised um, and, and, you know, really have a hard time getting out of the like hierarchical structure of raising a kid. um, Because like when you stop just like ordering them around or punishing them to do stuff uh, and cooperate with them, it does make like life a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's it's interesting. There's so much like structure of parenting that is forced on you. Um, and I, I remember uh, when when I was about to become a parent, I explicitly went looking for like anarchist parenting like resources or discussions. And like there's a little bit out there. There's not very much. Um, but there was one. I, I, I wish I could find it again. It was it, it broke down like a couple different types of of authority that were like, okay within parenting and like how to utilize them effectively. And like, what, I mean, one of the big things was like, you know, the authority of expertise, like it's good to stop your kid from picking up a knife and accidentally cutting themselves because they don't, they don't know how not to do it. But at the same time, like, you know, maybe you should try and teach them how to use it themselves instead of just not letting them like, there's, there's a lot that you can do to still give kids a lot more freedom than they would typically get in a way that maybe is more aligned with like anarchism. And and for most for the I feel the older generation uh, kids are their accessories um, like we're just something that that came from them and uh, it's such a narcissistic way of being and I think early, early on when my daughter was young uh, going to the pl- playgrounds and stuff like that uh, when we would try to leave she would throw a fit mm-hmm. and it was like understandably so if I was doing something and I had a lot of fun <laughs> and someone came and just picked me up from underneath my arms and tried to drag me out, I would throw a fit. So I was being mindful to say, Hey, Hey, you've got five minutes to go. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually setting an alarm 
So that way we built trust where it was like, I'm giving you five minutes. I'm giving you every single time. I'm not cheating five minutes. And that was like a really great way to solve the, the tantrum problem when it came to leave stuff. Now it only works 50% of the time, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it still is a good, a good tool. Yeah. Like, like kids, kids, I, I feel like kids are both more and less mature than, than they appear to be. But yeah, like if you, if you tell them stuff enough times and you're honest with them about like, this is going to happen, it's going to happen because of this, if this, then this, like they'll, they'll eventually like, they'll, they'll trust you. Um, as long as you're, you know, straight up with them and you don't try, try, try to trick them. My, my, my kid is old enough now, or my, my, my one kid is old enough now that she'll, she'll call me out if I say, you know, say one thing and then do another. Yeah. And it's definitely like a real like hip check of like, no, 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 like, like you're, you're bullshitting. <laughs> yeah. You have to live in the same manner. You have to live in the same honest manner that you require of them. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so kind of on to tonight's topic. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, what, what exposure you had as a kid, uh, kind of before we get to like the, you know, the, the media artifact in question, like were, were, were you, did you have a ton of like anti-drug cartoons and stuff foisted on you when you were a kid? Um, you know what? I didn't, uh, my parents weren't, and never really had tough conversations with me. Um, it was a lot of TV stuff that I watched, you know, uh, that maybe I think that I got most of my education on that stuff i do feel like i remember this video because this <laughs> has this the uh, cartoon all stars to the rescue has all of my heroes like when i was six years old um and i believe they gave this tape out at mcdonald's i believe you could get it at mcdonald's and yeah. so i i remember watching it at other kids house like you know, when you would go over to someone's house, and the only VHS they have are like free tapes from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're exactly correct. So it was uh, uh, McDonald's and the Ronald McDonald House, um, like charity, were the the main the main financers of this. Um, there was a big push uh, from the Senate as well to like to to make something like this happen. Um, the, the kind of forerunner of the children's television council was, was involved in, in, in pushing it as well. And yeah, as you say, like they, they basically got all of the popular cartoon production, um, like rights holders and companies together and were like, Hey, we're, we're going to make a cartoon that will end drugs once and for all. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, this is the wild part to me. It was shown simultaneously on all four major broadcast tv networks so like no, like abc cbs nbc and fox all showed this every station um like basically at the same time it was given out for free um they gave away like a ton of copies to video stores and like paid them so that like you could rent them for for free like you just walk in and be like here's a free bonus telling you about how drugs are bad <laughs> Yeah, this um this really is like a huge endeavor. But you're talking about Garfield with Winnie the Pooh <laughs> with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh it, it's it's just the biggest crossover. I couldn't even imagine like today having My Little Pony and Steven Universe and PJ Masks and shit like all get together. Um and and you know the networks really got together as well. And it's such a weird, it is just such a weird um, idea of what would, what, what kids would want to hear. Or, or like, I, I just think that it's, it's a, it's a government, like the president, George W. Bush and his <laughs> wife came up with this idea. And it's, I guess it's as boring and weird as the president would make something. You know, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's it's such an early 90s like as I was watching this I was like this is the most sincere thing I've watched like all year. Like it just it bleeds sincerity. Like every yes. ounce of it is like take this seriously. This is real. Yes, and well and and to get into just even the beginning um the Ronald McDonald House commercial at the beginning has these kids like singing this somber song that sounds like it's from church, you know? <laughs> and it's just like if they made that today, they would be doing like TikTok dances. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Like it would be exciting for kids. But this is like, this is a weird old man. Like this is a weird old people's <laughs> idea of what kids need to hear. You know, they're doing all these drugs. Someone needs to sit them down and and sing these sing this hymn with them. So so speaking of a weird old man, um, right before the episode, I I did discover that one particular weird old man had a direct hand in in promoting this. So. Um, on on April nineteenth, nineteen ninety, uh, there was a a special uh, session of of Congress uh, that had both the House and the Senate was was called together so that one Senator Joseph Biden could could give an address about cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. Today we will see unveiled here the newest weapon in our fight against drugs. This is this is, this is Biden. Uh, this new weapon is not a naval carrier group. Or a new prison. It is a new prison. It isn't a one billion dollar research program for cocaine eating caterpillars. It is something more powerful than any of those things. It is a cartoon. Yeah, and actually, this is a perfect. Um, this is a perfect pipeline for Joe Biden's like three strike strike program. Um, to jump into like immediately deeply into it. I mean, the, the, the situation that is set up in this cartoon um, is like the puritanical thought about drugs. How if you try it once your life is ruined Mm -hmm. and you become like a bad kid. And (laughs) once you become a bad kid, I mean, everyone treats you that way and there's literally nothing else to do, you know, like people, it's very hard to, to get around being a bad kid. So, I mean, it's, this is a perfect weapon for him because now he can say, Hey, we showed these kids a cartoon that told them not to do drugs. They got to go to jail, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the bad kid, good kid dichotomy is so funny because, um, so we are, we, we recently had on, um, Andre Demise and he, he, he made a similar observation that like in, in like cop media, there's like good guys and there's bad guys. And there's never a question except for like, there might be one character who's like, Oh, you're drifting over into the bad guy side. And once you're over there, like you say, you can, you can, you can never come back. You're tainted forever. And then all you do from that day on is lurk beside, like behind arcades and give out free drugs to your friends. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it sets people up. Um, it like, it's a brainwashing, it's a propaganda thing. Uh, dare is a big topic on our show because, um, they do this exact thing. They come in and they say, you know, the, the, this cartoon, this kid is smoking weed, which, you know, he's, he seems like he's in junior high or middle school, maybe even just high school. If he, even if it's high school, he goes to crack all of a sudden crack yeah, shows yeah. up. And it's like, I don't think it's that easy for teenagers <laughs> to get cracked like that. And, you know, uh, no adult wants to be caught selling crack at a high school. That's yeah. not a charge that anyone wants to get. Yeah. Late, later on in it, there, there's a really funny quote where where one of his bad kid friends um, takes his wallet and is like, $10, I can go buy some crack with this. <laughs> yeah. It was worth a lot more back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ten your uh, a dime bag really really was a dime at the time, of course. Yeah. Uh 
Yeah, so I mean, it starts off with is his name Jimmy? Michael is Michael uh, is, is the 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 kid who's in peril, and then his little sister Corey. Got it. And he has that um that puff of smoke that lives on his shoulder. That Mr. Smoke, like yeah, Smoke, yeah, James Wood or something. It's a uh, it's a uh, George C. Scott. It's like esteemed actor George C. Scott doing, uh, yeah, and 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 it, uh, what's it called? Like like a a a puff of weed smoke in the shape of, of a human wearing a three piece suit, encouraging kids to do drugs. Yeah, basically like an old timey like jazz artist. He looks like a <laughs> a jazz a jazz artist uh, puff of smoke that is convincing this kid to throw his life away to get high. Yeah, and it starts because. Um, Papa Smurf like wakes up, comes out of his house and looks up and sees that the little girl and he's looking up out of a comic book it was really weird. Uh, the, the little girl's piggy bank gets swiped. Um, and, and then, of course, they follow they follow the missing piggy bank into the older brother's room where he's smashing it open. Um, and it's like it's like Alf Garfield, the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yep. Um and 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 they see sure. him going through it to to get the to get the drug money. He's like, oh yes, all oh, there's so much money here. I'm gonna buy so many so much weed with this. And uh, baby Kermit is the alarm clock, and when they wake him up, he rattles it up, and then Corey wakes wakes up. Yeah, and and yeah, it's so funny how it like um they they don't have him quite do like the the weird strung out art style that they always do like as the kids get into drugs um but he he does like very quickly acquire it and they they, they make a big point of being like michael what's wrong with your eyes they're all they're all bloodshot and weird looking you're becoming a drug person yeah he um the funny thing about it i mean the weird thing about it actually is yeah the 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 little sister confronts him and is he he starts to like panic and freak out in a way that like I remember kids getting high was mostly being funny like it was mostly <laughs> just laughing hysterically like no one was having like episodes like this that kid just started the kid just really like lost control of reality for him you know on this weed yeah like like every drug um in these shows immediately turns you into like an an about to OD like pill user um yes. who has no control like like someone someone who is in like severe severe distress from substance abuse disorder from because you have like a shoebox with with two joints in it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean we do such a poor job of talking to kids about it and we tell them that weed is the same as heroin so that I mean, really, they're the ones that's setting it up. They're like, well, if you if you start smoking weed, you'll just do crack. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe if I could knew they were different, maybe if you t- treated them differently or because there was friends of mine whose parents smoked weed with them, which is not like something that I'm uh, condone. Uh, but at the same time, like didn't ruin their lives. And it was a lot. It, it demystified it a lot more uh, than like, you know, the ones that were breaking into cars and shit to try to get money or whatever it is to to look at this very honestly the question of like you know should you should you educate your kids about about drugs like yeah it seems like there's there's some level of education you should probably do like you know you can you can you know spend too much money on weed like that's yeah that's a danger you know i definitely went through a period in my life where i was spending too much money on weed and was like oh like i'm smoking too much weed i should smoke less weed that probably is valuable to convey to a kid this cartoon does not do that it's like if you you know one puff and 
and you're you're doomed. You have a magical talking smoke man following you around. You're going to be smashing piggy banks like like R- RoboCop is coming after you in like five minutes. Yeah, and and it it perpetuates the once again just the the bad kid, the lost cause, uh, and it, it's a way for parents to avoid taking responsibility or like for parents to actually have to talk to their child in a meaningful way about something that isn't just a matter of punishing them or yelling at them or screaming at them. Um, you know, like my parents just told me that like, if you go to buy drugs, someone might kill you and it it kind of worked. And (laughs) I, I was actually more, I was actually more along the lines of a lot of the drug users at school were fucking losers. Like the, like in my school, like you obviously could tell, uh, that smoking weed was not helping them when it was not going to help them do be successful in life. You know, um, I, you know, Brian, my co-host on street fight was an actual bad kid. Like, you know, didn't get to walk at his graduation and, you know, D's and F's and shit. And, um, I mean, over 50% of his friend group when he was in high school is dead, you know? Uh, and, and, a lot, a lot of that comes from prohibition. You know, uh, one of his friends overdosed and people didn't want to call the police because they didn't want to have the police go up and charge everybody for his murder or something, you know, or, uh, you know, get them, charge them with whatever, you know, punish them for it. So it, it, it creates, it's, it's, this is like a look at the past. Um, but still, we still have police officers going into schools. The dare isn't happening. They're not making cartoons, but we still have police officers and uh, adults that the only adults that we're letting talk about this thing are, you know, authoritarians that want to punish people for doing drugs, you know? Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's really funny how all of these cartoons, like this one included push really hard. The idea of like basically snitch on your friends, snitch on everybody, but they don't actually ever show like any, like there's there's no indication that anything positive will actually come from that. It's like, well, if you're a bad kid, you're basically screwed. The cops are going to come. Your life is ruined. So like, why what why would you if you felt like you did have a problem? Why would you ever seek help for that? Like, why would you seek help for 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 a friend who is like ODing or something? You don't want to get screwed over too. So yeah, it just called and creates this like this like sense of paranoia and fear, which is very easy to create as a parent. And like is incredibly negative for a kid to to live like feeling that way. Yeah. And and you, you know, you do want to say, yeah, you might have a weed phase. You find out your kid likes weed. Uh, They're human. A lot of people like weed. Uh, But it's not that it's the it's not the same to say that's just like doing meth because then they're just going to be like, well, fuck, weed wasn't so bad. I'll try meth. Yeah. I mean, I I was that way. I mean, when I came out of when I came out of uh high school you know i was worried about graduating and i did and then i had a real fucking job at like a warehouse and call center and i hated hated shit and wanted to party and there was weed around and i tried it and i was like i thought this made you into like a criminal like i thought this made you into a maniac i thought it would make me fiend for it and all of that and it was just an incredible amount of fun and the people that did it were were interesting and usually caring cool people and it broke the stereotype but then it was like well i want to try mushrooms i want to try cocaine i want to try heroin i want to try i don't trust anybody anymore i can't just no one can tell me what it's going to be like until i do it myself 
Yeah, I I totally know kids who were like incredibly straight laced all through high school, and then they got to college, and someone you know handed them a beer, and they were like, "Whoa, finally! Like I can drink beer. This is awesome." And then they did nothing but that for the next four years, and it took them you know years to like unfuck the stuff that that the problems that they did cause themselves from that. Because yeah, like it's it's just as bad to be completely not prepared for something as it is to be like terrified of it. Like it's, it's, it's worse. Like those two things go, go hand in hand. If you're terrified of fire, you're not going to know what to do if you see a fire. Yeah. But, and then, you know, like uh, even the first times that you drink, I mean, we, you do it when you're 15 or 16, if you're sneaking and you do it till you fucking throw up, you're like, yeah. Oh wow. That's a lot. I just pound it, <laughs> pound it, pound it. And uh, there's no on ramping. Uh, and, and you have to hide it and you're dry. Someone's driving drunk. You know, there's lots of horrible scenarios that come from it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still, I don't know where I'm fully at. I, I don't want to like, I feel like I do everything for my fucking child. So I also don't want to like help them break the law. It's like, I mean, it's a little too, like you have to be a self starter in some, in some way, <laughs> but, um, at the same time, like, you know, uh, 15, 16 year olds can, if, if they can have two beers and feel silly, and stop that's a bit that's a better tool to have than never trying it and then being able to drink a 24 pack with your buds over a whole weekend you know uh and it creates the behavior the like alcohol causes a lot of problems for people's lives and like you said takes away years and years of people's lives and uh there needs to be more of a discussion of uh you know responsible drinking and how much is too much and and, and, you know, let's like that. It's really, you don't get that interesting once you have your seventh drink. Like you just start <laughs> bumbling. You just start say, repeating stuff. And, and like no one, everyone's uncomfortable when you start breathing into your chest and you're like, you, you're like heavy breathing. You sound like Darth Vader and you're like slobbering and shit. Like it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I remember, um, it's, it's funny thinking back to the way that like my own, pa- the way that my own parents handled this. We went to the Outer Banks one year. Um, and a friend of mine came along and my parents were like, look, if you guys want, we'll, we'll buy you for the two weeks that we're here, a case of like low alcohol beer. This was, this was like the mid nineties, or I guess it would have been like the, like 97 or so. Um, and we'll, we, we of course wanted Mike's hard lemonade. So we had our like 24 pack of, of Mike's hard lemonade and we just had, you know, we just drank them throughout the weekend. Like we never really got drunk. Like it, you know, and it like it for me, it like demystified the the whole thing as opposed to this cartoon where it's like, oh, for drugs, you go to the super cool arcade, which incidentally, like that was a really cool arcade. All the cool kids were there doing drugs. And it's so funny to me how this cartoon makes the like the bad kids seem so much cooler than anyone else in it. Like they look cool. They talk cool. They act cool. They have cool drugs. Yeah. Yeah. It's immediately. um uh, it's yeah, it's immediately apparent that like, oh, you can do that instead. You're like, because <laughs> that, that's the other part. You're like, well, shit, I'm not going to be valedictorian, and I don't, I, I hate this place. Um, but I could get it like a t-shirt with a skull on it and stand <laughs> out, stand outside of a fucking, you know, a um, a billiard hall, and and, and you know, sell weed or whatever. It does really, uh, even the D.A.R.E. program introduces people to drugs. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, really? I can do that? It'll it'll <laughs> fucking make me feel weird? Like, I can drink, I can just drink a whole bottle of cough syrup. That's crazy, you know? Like, robo-tripping was, was very popular uh, at, 
at the end of my high school years, but when I was living by myself and could do whatever I wanted. Uh, and so there was all kinds of those alternative things. And like I said, they don't, no one's grown up about it. So it's just a matter of, you have to try it for yourself. And then you talk to these other fucking degenerates like you that, uh, will just try fucking anything. What did you think about the sequence? Cause there's a really f- weird sequence in this where, um, Kermit and Miss Piggy, uh, like take, take Michael, the, the potential bad kid on a tour of his brain. And they talk about like come ups and, and like come downs and withdrawals and like this way that both makes it seem really cool and also conveys no useful information. Yeah. That's a very neat part of it. Um, this is just, there's like just my, at my age, I'm already at the point, like I'm close to my midlife crisis, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, this just makes me realize that I grew up in a time that just doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and it's incredible that they took all the cartoon characters from Saturday morning cartoons, including Alf, and they t- went inside of a drug user's brain, like a, like a tiny, little spaceship went inside of this guy's mind. Um, it was, I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty trippy visuals too. Actually. <laughs> I think that I remember, I think it was that point when I was like, man, I wish I was younger because <laughs> like what we used to do is just get super stoned and watch old, like stuff like that. I'd watch reefer madness. And I feel like this is the next time I'm on like acid or mushrooms, I'm going to watch <laughs> this thing. Cause I bet it'll be fucking hilarious. I, I mean, I guess if you're 24 and you're just getting into weed, this thing will be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly it was, it was pretty funny watching it like stone cold sober too. Like there's a really weird, um, shortly after that sequence, they encounter what's weird to me is that there's so many Disney characters in this. Like you have like, okay. So like they couldn't get Mickey Warner Brothers Annie up with uh with like Bugs Bunny shows up for for like a hot second. Um Bugs Disney, is great. Bugs is great. He pretends to be a cop um and then like like and he, pushes he around hold, the kid. He does him holding the joint. He's like, "What's this, man?" Like he really <laughs> tries to shame him in a way where I'm like, "Damn, Bugs is Bugs is looking down on you, dude." I mean, I mean, Bugs is from what, like the early thirties. So, we're, you know, we're lucky he wasn't saying like a bunch of racist stuff about, about like marijuana yeah. spelling it with an H. <laughs> yes. Daffy Duck was in there. Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's a great count. I was most excited for when the Ninja Turtle showed up, when that sewer drain, went, when the sewer cover went up and I was like, oh shit, it's fucking Mikey. <laughs> Well, that's the weird part is it's it's only Michelangelo and Michelangelo seems like the one who's most likely to be down with it, too. Yeah, he's a drug user. <laughs> like, I was honestly expecting it to be like Leonardo and Donatello, who are like kind of the nerds. Um, but no, I'm I, and and he's really not in it for very long. It's it's funny, like who they give more screen time to. Like Alf gets a lot of screen time. Was yeah, probably they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They were put they were had an Alf agenda. I thought it was funny how Alf um, threatens to eat Garfield because he's a cat, of course. And and for anyone who's too young to have watched Alf, uh, Alf's big thing was trying to eat the cat. So it was like a nice callback to the Alf continuity. You know who else was there? Um, Slimer from uh, oh, yeah. Ghostbusters. Real Ghostbusters was so good at the time. And that was huge. Yeah, that was that that was a really great show. I, I need to get around to doing um, a, an episode on that. And then they also did like a goth reboot or like a like it was like a weird like extreme ghostbusters that had like a goth chick in it um that had a major effect on my brain when i was like you know 16 or so and saw that 
Um, and then uh, th- there was, uh, but then like Huey, Dewey, and Louie show up and sing yeah. a little song, which is actually written by the composer who was like the really legit composer, um, Alan Menken, who did like the Little Mermaid, all these like huge '90s blockbusters. Wrote like a really bad song about like different ways of saying no, um, which is always like the, the 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 corniest part in in these cartoons too. Is like it's not it's not hard to say no to free jugs because nobody's going to offer them to you anyway. <clears throat> and you can just say no. People are like, oh, okay, cool, dude. Right. Um, you can't say no, but then you also have to, you have to figure out what the underlying reason that you want to say yes is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like I, this cartoon puts such a big emphasis on like peer pressure and the like there's like this apparently like pernicious drug aura where they're just absolutely irresistible like like the one ring in in lord of the rings or something where like no 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 earthly man can refuse it like it's it's the supernatural power yeah they i mean they really just have do don't understand um people like that's they're just (laughs) robots um that I, I really, they don't like you. I really don't think they see how cool it all looks, or that they're turning people on that are going to be drug users, like to letting them know what to look for <laughs> in their parents' medicine cabinet. You know. So the, I mean, the the ultimate plot resolution of this this special is basically that uh, smoke, the the magic talking weed smoke, um, which, as you say, is is a very like if if I were high, that that itself would be hilarious. Um, he Michael the the kid who's like the at that the at risk kid um comes back and finds smoke trying to lure his younger sister Corey into trying d- drugs he comes over and smacks it out of her hand and then goes well let's go talk to 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 mom and dad which which to me like i i kind of feel like okay if you want to stop using drugs you have now stopped using drugs. Like it doesn't seem like it, it really, it doesn't seem like he's in any kind of deeper danger apart from like, I better go tattle on myself to my parents. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I can't say, I guess I would like to have, I guess I would prefer my kid tell me, <laughs> Um, but you're right. I mean, it's pretty much like if you're out of the game, you're out of the game. It's all it takes. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it is funny how like, I, I guess, like, did, did did the parents even appear in this? Yeah, he he has like a real tough guy dad, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. He's um he's he's yeah he's like doing work in the garage in like a very typical like '90s dad fashion with like he's kind of like balding with a mustache and doing like work on the lawnmower or something. Yeah, um, definitely seems. Uh, it it is kind of funny how they make him out to be like super compassionate. Like they they definitely do want you to talk to your parents which as you say yeah like like as as a parent i certainly would like to know um but in in terms of like it being effective messaging um it it again it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it, it would accomplish anything at all in terms of actually educating a kid about about what to do yeah we just i mean we basically just told you that um you're going to go to hell uh for using this stuff and then you're going to go tell your parents like guess what i'm going to hell I quit, but I'm still going to hell. You know, I'm a dirty drug user. In our last episode, we we actually kind of accidentally uh, covered an anti-drug episode uh, of the cartoon Brave Star, which is like a like Ooh. a sci-fi western. Yeah, loved it. One of my favorites. And what was funny about that one, or I say funny, it was like shocking. Was like the the the, the bad kid, the kid who starts using the drugs, dies of an overdose of like space drugs in it. 
Um, and comparing that to this is very, very shocking. And like, it was very badly handled, but I, I really don't know how I feel about like, like, I, I don't know if there's, if there's any value in, in showing actual concept because like, you know, realistically, like you, if you were using the, 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 the right drugs or the wrong drugs, like, yes, you could OD. It's, it's unlikely that a 13 or 12 year old is, is going to be using heroin. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, it does show that, you know, if you use too much drugs, that, that is bad. So in a way, I almost feel like the kid dying of space drugs is, is almost better advice, uh, than, than, cartoon all-stars you know offers and it's so funny to look at the contemporary reaction and how jazzed up everyone was about like the massive impact that they they thought that this was was going to have on on absolutely anything yeah i i mean i think that it sucks because um it's similar to the black lives matter you know uh issue that we're having right now black liberation uh and what needs to change with the police and everything it's that like we need a great societal shift is what we need um, because a lot of the problems of drugs come from the prohibition of it. Um, people are overdosing and dying on heroin because they can't get a clean opiate that will give them the amount they need to function. There's no way to be properly in it. And, uh, and there's no way to ask for help that isn't going to be punitive. And, uh, and we don't really have a conversation and we don't have conversations uh, with you know, what, what, like about when we charge somebody with a drug charge, um, how do they get a job after that? How do they get housing after that? Well, we make them second class citizens. Like we sentence them to death. How are we supposed to do? You're 19 and you get caught in a DUI or you get caught with, uh, you know, heroin or something. Uh, and now you've got a fucking felony and you can't, your job prospects go away. And uh, what are we supposed to, how you, you know, how are you supposed to redeem yourself ever? Yeah. And, and not, not only that, but you are going to get judged by people around you. Like it becomes harder to get help because yeah. it's so stigmatized in part because of stuff like this. Like I remember um, my dad was like a big, like, like a uh, bar band guy when, when I was a kid, he was in like all sorts of different like cover bands and I would go with him um stay up you know super late hanging out in like the back of like a bar in manhattan while he was playing you know uh you know like classic rock co- covers cool um and uh i remember one of the guys that was in one of his bands um like my dad mentioned he, oh yeah like he was in prison for a while and it it blew my mind as a kid because he was just like a regular you know he was just a guy who kind of like got into doing some stupid stuff i think it was for like robbery um, and he was in jail for a, a, a few years. He, he he got out. He had a job. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, it, I feel like it actually had like a really powerful impact on me because I realized like, oh, he's just like a guy. He's, he's, he's like a yeah. nice, smart guy. He made a mistake. He's not like a criminal. He's just like a guy. And I feel like if, you know, the fact that we don't treat drugs that same way means that it's, yeah, it's not only harder for you, it makes it harder because the people around you become somewhat likely to turn on you potentially. Yeah, I'm, I I have similar. My dad was a, a bricklayer, so he worked with a lot of just uh, you know trade uh, manual labor stuff. And there was guys that did stints that would just be really fun. They would play volleyball with you at a cookout or something. And uh, and I, I have also had a friend um, that got into a fight. Well, he his cousin was in a fight, 
and he went was getting jumped and he went to go defend him and he accidentally killed this guy in the fight and uh it took away it's taken away it severely changed his life you know uh and he was a very talented chef um and there was times when he would just call me absolutely crying because he would get a job and just hope that they wouldn't check his record and he'd score some amazing fucking jobs and then they'd take it right away as soon as they ran his information and everything. Uh, and there was no, there was no, no reason to do that. And, and he became a uh, cocaine addict for uh, over a decade and was like a horrible drunk and a fighter because he was simply being forced into, he was, he was, he was forced uh, into, he was forced out of opportunities in his career simply because of a mistake he made when he was 19 years old, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like a big part of the, I mean, if there has been an improvement in the way that drugs are depicted or, or that people treat drugs in, in society, it's that like, it's, you know, to a certain extent, it is now acceptable, at least, you know, if you're the right sort of person, if you're like a middle class white person, it's acceptable to sometimes do drugs. You can be seen as also a normal person, you know, yeah. quote, quote, unquote, normal person. Now, it's still it's a huge problem. The fact that that's really only the case if you're like a middle class white guy. Um, but, you know, it it, 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 it it does, I think, show that it is there is the possibility to integrate the notion that like, you know, dr- drugs can be fine. It doesn't turn you into you know, a, a sinister monster who's preying on children out behind the, the arcade. Uh, and maybe there is a way to talk responsibly about this with kids. I, I, my kids are, are one in four. And so, you know, it'll be a number of years, I think, but before this comes up, although I, I feel like I had dare as young as like eight or nine, I was definitely like way younger than I needed to be when people started telling me about drugs. We're getting close. Yeah. We're get, I remember it being very young for me too. Like I, I, I was a little bit ahead of the time and a little unsupervised so I could watch adult shows and shit and no one would shut it off. So I knew what some stuff was, but when they started talking about it as like nine years old and I just being like, who's going to get cracked? No one can get cracked. (laughs) Like I'm listening to rap songs. Like, I don't think that those guys are going to sell us crack, you know? Uh, Also, yeah, a lot of it has changed. Uh, My neighbor is 20 years older than me. And, uh, he said, he was like, it's just crazy, man. He was like, I was 15 years old in 1978. And they thought that like smoking weed would ruin your life. And it was treated like this thing that nobody talks about. He's like, and even though we all did it, we were supposed to raise our kids. Like it was this horrible thing and lie to them. And no one was ever just to be out loud, say, I love to smoke weed. And I have a, I have a weed butter recipe, you know, or like (laughs) to be open about, what you want to do with it. And, uh, and I agree, uh, that it is, they know there is a lot of privilege involved with it. Um, but I was able to get a little glimpse of, of hope. Uh, when I went to Michigan four years ago for this, it was called the electric Canna carnival. And it was a weed festival that took place on a racetrack. They set up a carnival. <laughs> um, but I, I believe Michigan has changed. I'm not sure what it what's going on now. Uh, the, the dispensaries I went to now were, were pretty much Apple store looking places. Um, but before that, um, basically most of the, uh, I'm sorry, Michigan had legalized marijuana for a very long time, but the government never set up any sort of way to distribute it or set it up. So you had all these small businesses that set up, um, their own business and just waited to get shut down. And then no one ever shut them down. And, uh, I did some interviews there and 
the majority, I would say that probably it was probably 50, 50 down the middle women and men, as far as owners go. Um, there was a lady I talked to that said I had to get my GED and I thought I was going to work retail for the rest of my life. I never believed I would become a, a business owner, a small business owner. And there, you know, um, there was lots of, uh, there was lots of, uh, black women. There was lots of Latinx women and men. There was like a real diversity of people that were able to just say, I do my job. I get things done. I'm responsible, but I like to do weed, right? I don't want to drink beer all the time. And, and we live in a, I mean, the American drinking, our American drinking like customs are fucking horrible. It's all binge drinking and problematic drinking and drinking every single day. And it's, uh, it's not healthy at all. Um, and then we demonize weed, uh, which is just absolutely absurd. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm closing in on 40 and it's gotten to where like, if I have a beer, I, there's a good chance that I'll feel crappy the next day. Like, it's just not a, it's, it's just like not a good substance to casually indulge in even like, you know, if some people seem like they're able to, you know, keep it under wraps and, and don't, you know, don't seem to feel like crap the next day. Um, but I, I feel like I'm rapidly approaching a point where I'm just gonna be like, I guess I'm just not going to drink anymore because I constantly feel shitty when it, when it happens because I'm just getting getting older. Um, and yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, as as on a commercial level, weed becomes more accessible and visible and acceptable. The kind of like charade that I feel like um, like my parents generation did of just as you say like growing up smoking weed and then acting like they had no idea what it was just isn't going to be feasible anymore like how, how how do you do that when there's like a dispensary that you drive you know past on the way to school like yeah. you can't just be like well well that's they sell uh herbs there it's you know time and oregano yeah and the i mean the other aspect of it too is um the, just the cost of it um for me, I spent most of my 20s without insurance, and I have a bad attitude and a hatred for authority. So the medical system is not something I like to jump through hoops for. I didn't want to sit on phone lines. And I did a lot of uh, self-medicating with weed, and I still do. Um, you know, And there's been ups and downs in that and sober periods. But um, th- the, the shitty thing was is like, I was making $500 a week and then, you know, having to spend $50, $60 on a substance um, that helped me relax at night and let me do my job and uh, didn't make me as much of an asshole as alcohol did, you know? And at this point, I have it down how much weed I like in a daily amount and I'm a successful business owner and performer and a parent and all that stuff. Uh, And like, the, the cost is the thing that sucks the most to buy an ounce of weed for the month is something that I can afford nowadays, but I'd rather just, I'd rather it be the same price as my fucking prescriptions. You know, <laughs> I'd rather it be $25 for an ounce of weed for the month. Like that's, that's what I need. Yeah. And like, to the extent that like, to the extent that something like weed is dangerous, like I, I feel like the biggest danger is just the fact that it's criminalized that, you yeah. know, you like, you know, m- I've I I've bought weed from people who are totally normal and and like chill and laid back. I've also definitely bought weed from some sketchy people that I would prefer to not be around and to not see again. A good yeah. friend of mine um got his ass kicked uh in Philly um and uh, you know in like like a fake 
weed deal, basically just like trying to buy an eighth. Set up, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's way more dangerous than just like the drug itself. Like you, you smoke too much weed, like you fall asleep, you might get upset. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's way safer than alcohol, which you could just go to the store and, and, and buy for, you know, eight bucks for a six pack. Yeah. And then, and there's, and like, it doesn't work for everybody and it is dangerous. I mean, it does, some people get issues. There's, uh, it's not a cure all for everybody, but it is, it works for a lot of people. Like it, it's a, it a lot of, it's, there's enough of us that, uh, get something out of it and there's no reason to criminalize it at all. Yeah. Have, have you thought at all about, about how you're, you're going to talk to your daughter about, about drugs if it hasn't come up already? Um, you know what? She's not too curious that like I, she knows, um, that like what, when the room stinks, she knows I'm (laughs) smoking something. Um, she knows that there are cookies and brownies that are like beer. That's what we say. These are like, these are like beer. Um, but you know, other than that, uh, you know, Brian's daughter is four or 16. I'm sorry, 16 now. And we talk about it pretty openly. Um, I think I try to, yeah, I try to just be more honest about it, uh, in the ways that, you know, I was just saying of, of, uh, you know, weed is fun, but you have a lot of important stuff going on right now and it will fuck up your school and it's a lot of money and and (laughs) it's not the coolest thing. Not everybody has to do it. It, Like it's not for everyone. I I don't, I don't do not believe it will save everybody's life. I think it, if you find yourself to it, it's something you should do. But, um, you know, I, I think when it comes to talking about things like mushrooms and, uh, psychedelics it's like you know please make sure that you know where you're at please make sure that someone is around that's a sober or a setter trip setter because that was another problem of, of teenage drug use is like you get stuck in a basement with yeah. parents ab- with parents above you and for five hours you're just clinging to the carpet like uh, terrified that someone's going to come down and get you in a whole bunch of trouble people freak out you know not everybody has that thing but some people freak out it's just like a not it's not it's really not a good idea to just have a 15 year old try that shit without an, without a grown up saying, Hey, you know what? You can just nibble on those and see what it feels <laughs> like. You don't have to eat a whole eight. Okay. <laughs> you can take one bite and it'll feel goofy. You know? Um, I mean, that's what it is. It's just kind of, it makes, I don't know. It just changes the way you feel is uh, the way that I've said, I've talked to Gwen about it before you know, just lightens my mood, makes me feel dizzy or makes me feel just like loopy and we, you know, weird. It's the kind of stuff I say to her. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, there's, you know, I always say like, I had a really fucked up childhood and I have a lot of dysfunctional qualities and that you have a support system and parents to talk to. And I think that is, I think that's what solves the problem more than anything. I think that like I don't see foresee our kids in our circle having many substance abuse issues. For one, we do have people in the family that drink too much and have had alcohol problems and look bad. And they're like a lot of young kids these days are like, I'm not going to get so fucking drunk that I look stupid. Like, I don't want to be on Snapchat. I want someone to take a picture of me falling over stupid drunk. Uh, and that shit looks stupid and bad and da da da. Then and like. I think that's going to carry on. And, uh, you know, the kids are just like, 
I mean, I'm having fun doing what I want. Um, if there's weed going around, I'll partake, but not something that you have to have, you know, constantly, you know, I actually, there, I'm going to say one thing real quick. There was a cool grown up. One of our friends, one of my friends started getting the janitor at his school to buy him liquor and he was drinking liquor by himself. And I remember his sister came home from college and she was probably 23 or something at the time found out he had gotten in trouble for it. And I remember her saying to us like, man, it's, if you want to hang out with your buds and have some drinks, that's perfectly acceptable, but you can't be drinking. You don't want to be by yourself drinking all alone to this excess all the time. It's a sad life. It doesn't, it's not romantic. It's not Ernest Hemingway shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's helpful to like, to, you know, I, I think that that is the model that you should look at for this, for this sort of communication is like, you know, the danger is that when you're a teenager, you know, you, you feel, and frankly, to an extent, you are a little bit more invincible than when you're older. Like you can drink yeah. yourself stupid every night for quite a while when you're a teenager or yeah. in your early twenties. And, and it's very different from trying to do that when you're in your forties or fifties. Um, so, you know, the, the, the risk is that you don't feel the ramifications. You're not able to self calibrate. So it it is helpful to have, like, like you say, like a cool adult to be like, Hey, whoa, like, you know, this is, this is not like the one ring. It's not going to destroy your life instantly, but uh, you know, chill, take it easy. Yeah. Well, people become like eraser heads on fucking mushrooms and stuff and psychedelics where you're like, yeah, if you all go to the beach or get a cabin or something, or if, if you guys you do a bonfire or there's a something, it's great to trip with your people, but like, you can't do it every single weekend. Like it's the only thing you do. <laughs> Molly and, and uh, ecstasy was so big too. When I was, when I was in my party days and it was just like, they were like every single weekend beating yourself up with Molly. Uh, and cause it makes you drink an incredible amount too. So you have the worst hangover and the worst suicide Mondays of your life. And I'll tell you what, they're worth it once a year, <laughs> once every five years. But to keep it up is just it it and it wrecks your life. It just follows through. All of a sudden you're missing appointments for like the BMV, uh, or you're late to work, and then it just snowballs. And like uh I mean, I honestly when my daughter walked for the first time, I was tripping on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Like they were sitting in this drawer. We had them forever. And my wife had not done them yet, I believe. And I was just like, this is driving me nuts. Please, can I just eat some? And she was like, <laughs> sure, I don't care. And we're watching like um, Parenthood. I think that mm -hmm. movie, that show Parenthood, we were watching that. And I was like tearing up and crying and laughing and all that. And then all of a sudden I get on the ground and I'm just playing with this like walker toy that my daughter has. She starts reaching for it. And then she starts taking steps and grabs it and then lets go of it and just starts walking around. And it was like the coolest shit ever. Um, but I wasn't geeked out of my mind. You know, I didn't have like a whole eighth. I wasn't doing ego death, but I was like really on, I was really like on another level and just being goofy, I guess, you know, like it does make it easier to hang out and be interested in kid shit. Like if you're yeah. all fucked up, <laughs> not in like, you know, not in like a trash kind of way, but, it makes it like sitting down and watching cartoons. If you, if you have like a pot brownie is a lot easier <laughs> and like the cartoons suck, but they are making them a lot better. The storylines like are cohesive and like, there's a lot of good lessons and characters. And like, if you, 
really like your kid you you just pay attention to the stuff they like and you win them over like they're that's all it takes um i think the big part of big part of my my parenting philosophy and uh, brian's parenting philosophy is like not i mean i don't know if it's being a friend to a kid but it's just earning that relationship later in life when they become an adult um because we were just brought up in a way we were brought up by parents that ex that were had to they had we were brought up by people that always had to call their parents and send them cards and they were constantly in charge of like thanking their parents for for whatever it is but uh you know i think millennials grew up and just decided like you guys suck like you're racist <laughs> and you're mean and you know a lot of them like a lot of them, you know, being vegetarian, they just want to make fun of meat shit. You know, like you, you, you get into black lives matter and they just want to say stuff about Kaepernick. Like there just can be so overbearing and like, I don't want to be involved with them. I, I didn't call my dad on father's day. Cause he hasn't fucking earned it. Like he never gave a shit and doesn't give a shit and he doesn't call me on my birthday. So I'm not going to call him on his birthday. That's what it is. Um, now my daughter, I plan to be a part of her life and I want her to, I don't want it to be where she runs away in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, I, as soon as I turned 18, I was gone. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be away from my parents. And that's because they were just, they weren't talking to me about stuff. They were just, you know, if you go buy weed, you're going to get killed, you know, and didn't talk about sex didn't talk about sex didn't talk didn't have any i didn't feel like didn't have any serious conversation you know they were i got a job delivering papers when i was 13 and by the time i was 15 i could work in fast food and i had my own money for stuff so i was just like on my own at that point yeah well i think what you said is exactly the right way to uh, approach it and I, I have to say uh seeing your daughter walk for the first time is the most beautiful uh, mushroom story I have have ever heard much better than any of mine. Um, but uh, man, uh, any closing thoughts on on cartoon all stars? Cartoon all stars. Um, I think I mean I think it's good for any everybody to watch. Um, I think that you'll get a lot out of it. It's thirty minutes, um, which was like so excruciatingly long. <laughs> I was like. I was like, I was watching it in chunks. They should have this on Quibi or something. I was, I was watching it in chunks and I, I was like trying to wrap it up and there was 16 minutes left. And I was like, Whoa. Um, I mean, it, it's, it really does. It's kind of is a, 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 just a still in time. This just is the 1990s to me. This, this is exactly what I remember. Um, the type of messaging that we got handed down as kids uh, and most of the cartoons were written by cynical grownups. Uh, and the best thing is that closing song. Cause you got like Winnie the Pooh, mm -hmm. you know, he's like singing. <laughs> and then you've got fucking Tigger comes in and then like Slimer comes in and all of a sudden Daffy Duck is fucking singing. It's like the best Matt Kermit and Piggy, I think started off Miss Piggy. It's, uh, I love it. And they're singing in the voices like this ballad. <laughs> There's just was so much earnest stuff. Can I, um, uh, I just want to pick your brain on this real quick. Yeah, totally. Um, I have a relative that on more than one occasion has brought up, like ever since that Nickelodeon came around, things went downhill because all those shows 
They make fun of grownups. The kids all just think the grownups are stupid. Like we don't know anything. And it just started all of this entitled bullshit. Have you heard that? Yeah. No. So, so not only have I heard that, um, your relative is actually kind of right in that. Um, so I, I did, uh, I did a YouTube video like a year or two back about, uh, the adventures of Pete and Pete and loved it yeah awesome show one of the things i talked about was nickelodeon's explicit like marketing angle was we want to we want to push shows that are like you're a kid you're in a war against the adults so i don't know if they invented it but nickelodeon definitely was trying to make like the point that like yes you are in conflict with your parents now i i mean i kind of feel like kids shows are kind of not really that anymore i i feel like a lot more of the shows have like kind of the, the cool somewhat distant oh. adults now um and I, I i mean it's i certainly wanted to um man when i was like when i was like 10 or 11 i got really passionate about lowering the voting age because i felt like there was this big conspiracy to like take power away from me as a kid and i yeah. I, I don't know i do kind of think that's because nickelodeon was like you you're an independent kid you have to go fight to the adults yeah yeah you should be yeah 16 should be the new voting age at least yeah i, I th- there is um I, I guess she is right. And Disney took it up too when they started doing the teenager shows where they're just like the coolest ever. Uh, but nineties in the nineties did, this is like right on the cusp because all of this, these, this mashup um, eventually leads to all of like fruitopia and uh, like gushers and oh, yeah. all, all the can't skateboarding, like Dunkaroos and all of these candies and, like these gimmicky things that were sold on Saturday morning cartoons. They, I don't know. Somebody must've lifted regulation or something because it just seemed like there was an influx during that time of sugary cereals and everything was like off the hook. Reagan did actually um, in, in the early eighties. That's, that's where GI Joe and they all came from. um, Okay. Was, was like you weren't allowed to direct sponsor a show as a toy company before the Reagan administration. And and then, yeah, the first thing that Clinton did um, when he got in, in office or, or, or one of them was um, basically get rid of all the laws that prevented you from just buying up whatever TV station you, you wanted. And so it just became, you know, the predictable result happened where just big companies were like, Oh, okay. We could just run, you know, six hour blocks of cartoons and gushers commercials. Cool. Great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Or, um, what about like the conspiracy? Uh, did you study in this? Did, how do you have so much? It's just from the show. You just <laughs> talked about It's, all this it's from the show m- mostly. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting wellspring of knowledge. <laughs> um, what about, um, paste picante sauce? They slipped, dude, like they, they, that was some sort of brainwashing. I feel that they did on us so that we would buy it later whenever we went to go choose like No, salsa. what was this? I, I totally missed this. No. Wait, you were in New York city. Um, I'm in Philly. Okay. Well, maybe they didn't show it on the East coast, but, uh, during the cart Saturday morning cartoons forever, um, there was this, uh, Pace Picante commercial where these cowboys are outside like cooking beans and shit. And oh, they're going to put, yeah, a sauce New York on City. That New York right, yeah. City. Yeah. <laughs> and forever that like ruined, like New York City does not know shit about salsa. Right. Yeah. D- going, going back and watching the commercials from that, that era is such a trip because oh, I um, love it. 
like my uh we were watching we were watching youtube uh clips of like a kids game show um uh for a really good podcast uh that a good friend of mine jordan has called game shows i suppose i actually think i actually think brian um has done a Sounds, guest spot on it he's mentioned it yeah um and uh we were watching um what was it uh i, th- I think it was nickelodeon guts um, and there was the commercials were, were in it and we were watching it with our daughter and she saw the nineties commercials and was like, Oh, I, I, I want these toys. And I was like, I'm sorry, honey. Like they don't, they yeah. don't exist anymore. These toys are 30. These toys are as Antiques. old as I am, but yeah. they're effective. They're so scarily effective. Like they make them yeah. seem so cool. So yeah, there was so much, there was so much kids brainwashing going on back then. Well- but also so much of it is handed down too. I mean, I think of somebody like I think of the Marvel stuff and like how Batman has just taken over pop culture for 70 years now. It's like <laughs> there's just rain forever. GI Joes were also something that's now I get they can't do them anymore, but you know, we're had a 30 year run at some point. Um my my daughter, I get really upset the way that like she's just my little ponies and She-Ra, which is like what my sister was into. Yep. Like I was watching She-Ra when I was a kid, you know? Like, what do you know about She-Ra? I always ask her about I always I just turn into that old person that's just like, what do you know about man at arms? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. That's Bo. This is Catra, you know. We've tried to show her some of some of the older versions of the cartoon that that she watches now i i will say she really liked um the 1970s like spider-man uh and spider-woman car- cartoon she was super into that for a while we huh. we kind of got we kind of moved it out because there's some really bad racism in those cartoons. oh no um but but she was very into that that kind of like trippy 70s you know flashy cartoon stuff it's like the the old stuff still has power kids will still watch it it's some stuff they'll say oh this is old i don't want to watch this but but a lot of it they, they, they don't care yeah some of it is really crap some of the like my little ponies is just so slow like i just kids cartoons now are so have such a fast beat to them and some of the old animation really takes a lot but for you know for four-year-olds it, it is easier to follow along if it flashes they mostly like it so yeah but Brett, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a- an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, you know, I-, I think probably most of our listeners know exactly where they can find you. But is is there anything coming up that you want to plug? You know what? Um, right now, uh, we are staying at home. We're not going to be on the road this year, obviously. So, um, Street Fight Radio dot uh, com has the central hub for our stuff, but. If you want to get involved, we do a live stream uh, of a call-in show on Sunday nights, and it's a lot of fun to have people chat uh, along, and you can find it on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Just look for Street Fight Radio. Um, Brian is my co-host, and we've been doing it for about nine years now, and we talk a lot about mostly about work situations, but we are both parents, so that gets in there sometimes as well. Uh, yeah, so just check us out if you're interested. You definitely should. It's a great show. Um, but, uh, Brett, man, thank you again for, for coming on. Like I said, it it, it has been a pleasure. Um, and thanks everyone, uh, for listening to parents just don't understand. Have a great one. Cheers. Peace. Well, you look like three fine lads. You know, I might have something here you'd like to try. Something to make you feel real good. There's myriad wild and wonderful ways to say no. Don't say no way. Better learn a few and take them wherever you go. Practical reply. Go ahead, let's fly.
I spit right in his eye and say, no! Get out of my face with that stuff. But that could be tactless. You may prefer cool. Like this. I'll get you guys later, okay? I've got too much homework. It's rough. I'm late for my baseball game and I'll miss my ride. My kid sister needs me. Her hamster does. There's no time to kill. So I'll catch you later. Like that guy will. There's a million miles and wonderful ways to say no. Guess I'm allergic. And good excuses something you never outgrow. Protect yourself, get, get up, up and go! Be the first one on your block to say. Yeah, forget it, Doc. Try to go, 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 go,